Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this program is the 15th in this series. I'm in John chapter 4, the conversation that Jesus was having with the Samaritan woman at the well. They had the introductory conversation with regards to the water and living water, and then Jesus directed the conversation towards spiritual things. In verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And so the woman describes the conflict that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews, well, part of the conflict, with regards to where they were to worship, where they were to worship the living God. The Samaritans took the position that they could worship on the mountain that was in their community. They had set up a temple for this purpose. And the Jews, of course, asserted the Mosaic law that the proper place to worship God was in Jerusalem. And so there was a disagreement between the Samaritans and the Jews, and the woman brings up this disagreement. Now, worship was very well defined by God. There was no confusion with regards to what worship was going to look like in the Mosaic Law. And the Lord did define explicitly that this worship was to take place in Jerusalem that eventually there would be a place that would be set up and defined to be the place for his name. This eventually took place, and it was well understood that Jerusalem was the place where a person would worship God. The Jews set up a temple there. And the only reason why this was a dispute between the Samaritans and the Jews was because the Jews would not allow the Samaritans to worship there at the temple, because they did not acknowledge, they did not recognize the Samaritans' identity as Israelites because they were maintaining their genealogical records for their identity according to the paternal line and not according to the maternal line, which the Jews decided to use when they returned from Babylon. And so that was the origin of this disagreement and this conflict. And the Samaritan woman is bringing it up. Well, there was worship in Jerusalem, and our God defined exactly how it was to take place. In the Mosaic Law, we have all of the instructions. We have all of the requirements, all of the things that a person is to do to worship God. We have the place, we have the ceremonies, we have the sacraments, we have the sacrifices, Worshiping God was very well defined. What we also need to recognize is that the way that God defined that we are to worship him does not require us to know anything about who he is. 
the worship that God defined in the Mosaic Law did not require anyone to have a relationship with Him. All we have to do is what we're told. We just have to follow the procedures, follow the directions, follow the instructions, just do what you are supposed to do, and be in Jerusalem at the appointed times every year. Now, at this time in history, when Jesus was conducting his ministry, this was very important. It was very important for everyone to be in Jerusalem at the appointed times, because at these appointed times, Jesus, who was God manifested in the flesh, God himself would show up as the Lord Jesus there in Jerusalem, while everyone was required to be there, and he would conduct his ministry, which would be open and public opportunities for him to proclaim who he is, for him to present the evidence to show that he is the Messiah. And I personally believe that this is one of the most important reasons why God established the schedule that he did the festivals with regards to Passover and the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles. Everyone was required to be there. And so Jesus was there. And when he was there, he took the opportunity to do everything that he did publicly. So everyone would know who he is. And even though there were a lot of people in the area, word would get around. Word would spread. Guess what Jesus just did this morning? Guess what he did this afternoon? What do you suppose he's going to do next? There would be a lot to talk about when you consider the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he was performing and the things that he taught and the things that he did there in Jerusalem during these appointed times of the year. And so this was very important. It's very important to understand that this is one of the primary reasons why God said that people had to be in Jerusalem during this time, so that he could be sure that everyone would be there when he showed up and he could reveal the truth to them. So worship was very well defined. Jesus responds in John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, this was a very profound explanation that Jesus gave to the woman at the well. This is not a small thing. The first thing that needs to be noticed is that worship is going to change. That's the first thing that I think you should notice about what Jesus said, is that there is definitely going to be a change in worship. According to the Mosaic Law, Worship was very well defined. But now, Jesus states that there is going to be a change. In fact, it is in effect right now. 
where it is not going to matter where a person worships God. That's what he said. The hour is coming and now is, this is verse 23, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's what he says. In verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. This is a big change. We have a change of location. A change of location in the sense that it isn't going to matter where you are worshiping God. Where you go to worship God is not going to be the issue any longer. In fact, it now is. And so when he speaks to the Samaritan, the Samaritan woman, and she brings up the conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews, Jesus explains to her that this conflict no longer has any relevance. This conflict doesn't matter. Very soon it will no longer matter where the temple is, where you set up a temple, on what mountain you go. None of that is going to matter anymore. So don't have a conversation with me about where do we go and worship God. Where are we supposed to go and worship God? Are we to go to this temple? Are we to go to that temple? Are we to go to this region or that region? It isn't going to matter anymore because there is going to be a major change, a significant change, and it's going to be because a new covenant is going to be put into effect. There is going to be a new covenant. That is what the Messiah came to invoke, came to accomplish. He came so that he could put the new covenant into effect. And in the new covenant, it doesn't matter where you go. And worship, the way that you worship God, is going to change, and change in a big way. The ceremonies, the sacrifices, the sacraments, none of those things will have any place in our relationship with God because we will have a completely different kind of relationship. The previous relationship was all about one thing. Just do what you are told. Follow the directions. Follow the instructions that are in the Mosaic Law. Just do those things, and that's how you worship God. But in the New Covenant, the relationship is totally different. It's completely different. It's going to be on the basis of His Spirit dwelling within us. According to the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus and the new covenant, he is going to forgive the sins of the world and restore the Holy Spirit to anyone who is willing to believe and trust in him. And when a person is born again by the Spirit of God, they are a new creation in Christ, a new person and that's what's about to happen. What is about to happen is the invocation of the new covenant such that people will be born again, just as Jesus described to Nicodemus previously in chapter 3. A person is going to be born again, and they will be a child of God. When a person becomes a child of God, 
their genealogy, whether it's based on the paternal line or the maternal line, whether they are an Israelite, a Samaritan, a Jew, or any other, none of that will ever have any relevance again. This is the time in history when all of that comes to an end. Through the new covenant and the restoration of the Holy Spirit, there is a new creation, a child of God. And the entire argument, the entire conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews will come to an end for those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. For those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, your genealogy has no relevance anymore. Anyone can believe and trust in the Messiah, whether they are a Jew, Samaritan, Gentile, whatever you want to call this person. The genealogy of an individual no longer has any relevance whatsoever with regards to having a relationship with God or worshiping God, because we will worship in the core of our spirit, and our spirit will be made alive. Our spirit will be made alive through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The life of God dwelling within us makes us alive. We have the presence of life, and we are a new person. We are now able to have a personal interactive relationship with our God who is within us. We don't go to a temple to go and find God. We are the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no place to go to worship God, to know God, to have a relationship with God. He is in you. So when he is in you, there is no place to go. He's already there. You are already there. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, God is with you. Your God lives within you. You are alive with Him. You are living your life with Him with you, and He is living His life with you with Him. That's the new relationship. That is the new experience. And so through this relationship, we now have the introduction of something new. And what will matter will be the truth. Before, the truth was, do we follow the directions? Do we follow God? Do we obey his commandments? That's the only truth that you have. But when your God dwells within you, you have a person with whom you can communicate with. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. All truth with regards to life, godliness, your circumstances, what you see, what you hear, what you experience yourself in your daily life. In your daily experiences, he will be able to reveal truth to you, to give you discernment and understanding of the circumstances in your life. And he is able to allow you to participate in what he is doing. And through participating in what he is doing, you will have additional truth, additional understanding, additional discernment. You will know your God. You will see the world through his eyes and hear the world 
through His ears and participate in the work of His hands. As He lives within you, you are also in Christ and you have a mutual experience, an experience together. And through presenting yourself to Him to be a part of what He is doing, you are worshiping your God. And as you allow Him to be a part of what you are doing in your life, you are worshiping your God. And when He reveals truth to you, which will be an individual experience, when He reveals truth to you, and you believe what He shares, then you are worshiping your God. That is what Jesus presents to the woman at the well. That's what he tells the Samaritan woman while his disciples are off looking for some food. This is a big deal. This is a lot to explain to the Samaritan woman that all of the issues are going away and they are going away right now. Now, this was a lot for the woman to hear. This would be a lot for anyone to hear, especially when you know nothing about the Lord Jesus at all, who he is, what he did, what he has come to accomplish. You know nothing about this person. And this is what he says to you? This is a lot to comprehend. And so in verse 25, John chapter 4, verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And that's a reasonable response when she considers the magnitude of what he just said. He just said, woman, none of that means anything anymore. None of that matters. She has this Jewish man standing there with her at the well. And he explains, none of these things matter anymore. Where we worship, where we go, on this mountain or that mountain, that temple or the other temple. None of these things are going to mean anything very soon. And I'm sure that he said it with conviction and with authority And so her response is, well, I'll tell you what, the Messiah is coming soon. We're just going to wait until he comes and then he'll explain these things to us. That's what she says. And so in verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. How much more clearer could he have been to state to her, I am the Messiah? I just told you something very important. Very important. It was true. And you said to me, well, I'm going to wait till the Messiah shows up. Well, here I am. I am the one. I am the Messiah. Jesus was very direct. Very direct. There's no confusion. No opportunity for confusion. No opportunity for uncertainty. Jesus has said very openly and clearly, I am the Messiah. That is who I am. And what I just told you is true. And you better take it seriously because it is serious. And I am the representative of the living God. In fact, I'm God manifested in the flesh. Heavenly Father, Prince of Peace, the prophets have testified clearly that this would be God himself. And he tells her, I am he. I am the one. At this point, his disciples come, right? 
in verse 27. At this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? As I explained in the previous programs, this kind of interaction at the well, interaction such as a man speaking with a woman, was the way at this time in history that a man would look for a wife or that he would speak with a woman with the consideration that maybe she would have an interest in him as a potential husband. And so they marveled that he's talking with this lady to begin with, and they're not going to ask him, what are you looking for? What do you seek? What are you doing, Jesus? Are you looking for a wife? Is that why you are here? And you are talking with a Samaritan woman? Are you thinking about getting married to a Samaritan woman? Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're thinking? They would not even dare ask him that kind of a question. Or why are you talking with her? They're not going to ask that kind of a question. For the most part, you could expect them to be embarrassed or perhaps a little insecure, wondering just what is going on here and who wants to ask the Lord what he thinks he's doing. Nobody wanted to do that. In verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, Jesus would definitely get hungry eventually. What he's effectively telling them is that I am so excited about speaking with this woman, speaking with this Samaritan woman. I'm so excited. I'm so happy because I got to tell her that I am the Messiah. And I got to tell her that the conflicts between the Jews and the Samaritans are coming to an end. The day is coming and yet now is when it is no longer going to matter where you go worship God, and it's no longer going to matter what your genealogy is. None of that is going to matter anymore, and I got to tell her this. And Jesus would be so excited, so happy, so thankful, that he wouldn't be hungry, that to him it was as if he was eating. So when he said he had food to eat, he was speaking symbolically that this was so meaningful to him This was an opportunity for evangelism, to speak with someone about the good news, about the gospel, about the Messiah, and perhaps this person and many others will believe, will believe in him. Yes, they are Samaritans, but this message is for everyone, for the Jew, for the Samaritan, for the Gentile, for everybody. Everybody will have an opportunity to become a child of God through the gospel. Everyone will be able to worship their God in spirit and in truth. That is coming. It is here now. And Jesus got to proclaim that. In verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him 
who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives his wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. This was a special moment for the Lord Jesus to openly tell a person he is the Messiah, to openly tell them that the conflicts are coming to an end, to openly tell his disciples that this is the time. The time is now. The fields are ready. The people are ready. Tell them the truth. Speak to them about the truth so that their spirits may be resurrected. They may worship their God and know him and have a relationship with him and experience eternal life right now, today and forever. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the 15th program in the verse-by-verse study on the Gospel of John. In this program, I explained what Jesus told the woman at the well concerning worshiping God in spirit and in truth. He explained to the woman at the well that there was going to be a change in worship, a change in covenant, a change in worship, such that all of the conflicts that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews would become irrelevant because in the new covenant, people would worship him not in a geographical location or at a specific temple, but they would worship him in the core of their spirit on the basis of truth and that it would no longer matter what your genealogy was because you would be born again by the Spirit of God as a child of God. This was effectively what he told her. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,